Cherish every single day. That's what Dallas-based news reporter turned photographer and blogger Jennifer Bourget strives to do. In this episode, this homeschooling mom of three talks about her experience as a black woman married to a white police officer and raising a multiracial family. I'm excited for you to hear Jennifer's wisdom and her insights. Let's dive in. Do you have a pressing question about parenting but don't know who to ask? Well, we are women supporting women, and we've got you. I'm Vanessa Quigley, and welcome to the Mom Force Podcast, brought to you by Chatbooks. But before we get started, I want to tell you about our brand new Chatbooks Monthbook subscription that will simplify your life by delivering happiness right to your door each month. All you have to do is open the app, pick 30 of your favorite camera roll photos, and a beautiful monthbook will be sent your way. No need to stress over the layout or design. Month books are simple, and they will also look beautiful in your home. Starting at just $8, they also make a great gift for a new mom or for grandparents that live far away. Try out month books so that you can cherish every day, too. Okay, now on to the episode. Welcome. So happy to have you here, Jennifer. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, Jennifer, I started following you on Instagram after I listened to an interview you did on Mint Arrow Messages on their podcast, and it was so good. I knew that I wanted you on my podcast. Oh, <laughs> but for our listeners who might not be familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, so I'm Jennifer Bourget. I am a blogger and have been writing and doing storytelling for as long as I can remember. I used to work as a journalist. Feels like forever ago, but I think it was maybe like about five years ago, four or five years ago that I stopped doing that. And I'm a mom of three now and we live in Austin, Texas and I've been married for 16 years and just loving life. It's, I mean, seriously, I feel like I'm living a dream because it's just like every day I'm like pinching myself. Like, how are we here with three kids and like happy amongst like so much chaos, you know, which can be hard to like try to find our peace around, but yeah, I'm very thankful. And your blog is titled Cherish 365, which sounds like the perfect title of your happy living your everyday. (laughs) Really, really. I mean, truly, that's what it's about. Just cherishing every day, but whatever that means to you. For me, it's cherishing everything from like the little moments and seeing my oldest is she's 10, almost 11, and my youngest is two. So they're eight years apart. So it's really cool seeing how different they are in personalities, but also how quickly time goes, you know, cause I just, I look at my oldest and I'm like, I remember when you were her age and yeah, it's just a reminder to slow down and kind of cherish the yeah. little things and appreciate the little things, but also appreciate what makes you unique and appreciate your individuality and the uniqueness of everyone else that's in the world, you know? Yes. And I think, I think when you can do that, when you can cherish who you are and understanding who who you are, you can also look at others and really cherish diversity. And I think that is really the key. And I want to talk a lot more about that in this episode. But I did notice that your blog had a different name in the beginning. Baby Making Machine. Yes. Tell us about that. (laughs) So when I started my blog, it was kind of like an undercover thing. I was working as a journalist and just wanted a fun place to write and to 
be silly and write creatively. So I started this anonymous blog because the joke was kind of like, oh, you know, you're a BYU graduate, you're married, you don't have any kids, you know, when are you having kids? That's kind of what everyone's asking. And we knew we wanted a family, but we didn't know exactly when. And it was kind of like my journey towards becoming a mom. So baby making machine, I don't know. It was just a name <laughs> that kind of popped in my head and I ran with it. And it, it was like a pre-mommy blog. So it kind of gained some traction because there were mommy bloggers were just starting to become a thing. And I was like in the mommy blogger niche, but I didn't have any kids. So it was kind of a weird space to be. Then after my second kid, I was like, okay, I think we're done. And just felt like I had grown, my brand had grown. I wanted to do a name change. And, you know, we were like, we're done having kids. So I rebranded to Cherish 365, which felt very fitting. And then I found out I was pregnant with my third. So <laughs> <Joke's> <laughs> but on it you. still works. <laughs> you truly were a baby making machine. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I, I got teased by my friends of being a baby making machine because we had seven kids and they all came really, really fast. But my mom had 12. So it's, oh kind, of in the, it's kind of in the genes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I love that name. Well, if you want the domain, I still have it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We might have to negotiate. When I last opened your blog, I saw so many fun posts there, posts about your kids, about marriage. I loved your list of the best rom-coms to watch because obviously that's my favorite genre. But what really caught my eye was a post that was actually a compilation of other posts that you had written. Um, And it was titled, Here Are My Most Eye-Opening Posts About Race and Racism. And you, Jennifer, are a black woman and you're married to a white man and you have a biracial family. Why do you say that people's eyes need to be opened about race? You know, I think that it kind of all comes down to trying to understand other people. And, you know, I think in the world, or at least in our society and the States right now, a lot of us feel this like divide and this kind of overbearing turmoil, kind of a little bit, you know, where this, there's this like tension. And I really think the only way through that is to try to understand each other and to try to learn about people who are different than ourselves and try to hear from their experiences. And there are so many different voices. So if there's one that's not resonating with you or like hitting you in the way that you want to hear that message, like there are so many other voices out there and people that you can talk to from their perspectives. And everyone is going to be a little bit different because everyone is different. And I just think that it's so important for us to not ignore or try to look the other way or or say that we're all the same. Like, yes, we are all human beings, you know, and, and I do believe that we're all brothers and sisters, but I think that it's also important to recognize our differences and that's what makes all of us unique and special and not just in terms of race, but our experiences and how we interpret things and gifts that everyone is born with. So I think it's really just important for us to acknowledge that. And I think that that's a way through this kind of tension that we're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. I, I know for for me, my eyes were really opened and my heart broke as I read and learned and tried to do the work. Help us understand that phrase. I, I think that it's become this phrase that people say, but not everyone has an explanation behind it. So it can be a little bit frustrating when it's like, well, I I want to help when you sincerely want to do something and be a part of a change, but you don't know what this phrase do the work means. I think that a lot of it comes down to, 
you know, I think with social media, we have this expectation of all of your work needs to be on display, you know, as though if you do the work, we want receipts, but that doesn't need to be the case. I think a lot of the work is a personal thing and it's a lifelong thing. It's not like, okay, I read these five books. I'm done. I've graduated. I did the work. I'm now a better person. I never have to learn anything else again. I mean, doing the work is a lifelong process and it's about learning about others. It's about trying to be a better person. You know, I mean, every day I can try to be a better person than I was yesterday. I think that is a part of doing the work, trying to understand and be empathetic of other people. That is a part of doing the work, but that's not something that you just get in one day or you have achieved and then you've unlocked this level and you're like untouchable from then on. The behind the scenes work is just as important as what you see out in, you know, social media. We aren't living in this bubble of the online world. We have neighbors, we have friends at church, we have people that we associate with at our kids' schools. Like these are all where we need to be having these conversations, not just online in our echo chambers. That being said, I did really appreciate a lot of the conversations that I did see online. And it was, you know, it was a big eye-opener for me. And I also appreciated the opportunity that our family had to participate in a march and Mm -hmm. a rally. It was really important to me to be able to share these things with my kids. Like I felt like that Mm -hmm. phrase, even black lives matter, which really, you know, yes, I believe that like to my core, my family, we all believe that. I think it's important to focus on the message, what is what sounds like you guys were doing with the March and with, you know, your signs. And when they paint the words on the, on the roads and things, I mean, that's all about the meaning behind it, you know? And I mean, really any organization could have some ties or whatever, you know, and anyone can buy a website, you know, and do whatever they, they want with that based on what's trending or whatever. So I think it's important if you're going to donate money or do anything like that to do some research on where your funds are going and who it's really helping. And I actually last summer did a whole post on like organizations that we were donating to and the why behind it and who is behind each one. Cause that's, you know, was important to me, but yeah, I think it's it's really important to remember that Black Lives Matter is not, yeah. it's it's just what it is. It's, it's just, just true. But I want to go back to this March because we had this beautiful experience in this March in our little hometown here. And then the next weekend, there was another March. At that point, the conversation was turning towards the police. And you are married to a white police officer. What was that like mm-hmm. for you and your family to watch that unfold in our country? You know, I mean, we've been down this path for about a decade. So that wasn't the first experience for us to hear those type of things and and stuff. Whenever it's getting national attention, I do get more questions about it and family, you know, checking in and and friends and and then my hackles go up and I just feel a lot of anxiety yeah. <laughs> because because it's really it's really a weird line where so many people feel like they're you're either one side or the other. And I'm just very obviously not that way because I I know that it it isn't that way. It's not like you have to choose one or the other. You can support and believe that Black Lives Matter and understand that we need change in, you know, police tactics and different departments have different policies and a lot of them need to be looked at. But that doesn't mean that that you don't support police. You know, you, you do support them and you want them to be safe and better. It's challenging for sure, but I think also a good and important opportunity to share with people that it's not like they're mutually exclusive. Right. I think it's great that we have diversity in thought, you know, and I think the problems come in when 
either far side thinks that the other side needs to think exactly like they do. Yeah. You know, it's important to have diversity of thought, but I, I think that the loudest people are the people who are, you know, either in their echo chambers or the most passionate. And then these people in the middle maybe aren't as passionate about supporting both, you know, we're kind of the people who are like this, this just is what it is. And, but we're not out there screaming and, and being loud about it. So. And getting the media attention because of right, loud voices right. is, is getting all the coverage. Exactly. So, you know, I think that the more we talk about it and, and maybe it does really come down to these uncomfortable conversations about listening to, to one another and kind of calling each other out. Like, well, why do you think that, you know, and, yeah. and where are you getting those statistics and why do you, you know, just having these conversations with one another and, and being willing to do the research on memes and things that get passed around and, and to find out the truth. I think that's really important, but I definitely don't think shying away from it is the answer. And I, I don't think it's as easy as like just coming together. But I do think that the more we talk about it and understand that civil discourse is really important, yeah. the, the better it get. Well, and I keep thinking of that phrase, do the work, because as I started reading books to get different perspectives, it just challenged a lot of my beliefs. I mean, mm-hmm. that I didn't even know I had just like thought processes. And I felt like yeah. a better person. Every book mm. that I read, I felt better because I knew better. Like I, right, I had right. put myself in someone else's shoes to imagine what that experience is like. I've, yeah. I've heard you say something about not wanting your kids to be colorblind. Mm-hmm. What did you mean by that? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it really just means that. I think we hear people say like, oh, we're all humans. I'm colorblind. I don't even notice that, you know, you're different than me. And, you know, we're all just the same. But the thing is like, we aren't all the same, but that's okay. You know, I think to try to make it seem like we're all the same is almost implying that there's something wrong with being different. So to acknowledge that, I'm a black woman, you know, to acknowledge that because I am, I may have had different experiences than you. I may have more in common with you than you think. It's not everything, but acknowledging that we're different, I think is really important and not trying to ignore it or dis- dismiss race or dismiss our differences. So I think it's really, you know, important to to talk about it, to discuss it, to have books so people know. I remember going to a store in Utah and like a little kid being so shocked to see me, probably because in Utah, you don't see many black people. And Mm -hmm. I don't remember what the child said. I think I have it written in an old blog post. Nothing that offended me, but I know, I just remember the, the mom being so like embarrassed and shocked and like, oh, you know, and and because the child was pointing out my skin color, I'm like, it's okay. Like, innocently, just yeah, a matter of fact. Exactly. It's a fact. And it's, you know, it's just who we are. And so just, I don't know, getting yeah. over that feeling, maybe that some of us were raised with the idea that the way to equality is to ignore our differences yeah. and, and to pretend like we're all the same, but it's not, you know, we can celebrate our differences and acknowledge our differences. Don't, try to treat someone differently because of that difference. Well, when I heard you say that, it made me think of my amazing, beautiful, wonderful daughter-in-law. My oldest son, he's 25, and he married a young woman whose parents were first-generation immigrants. And when they got married, I didn't think anything of the fact that this was a biracial marriage. A relative pointed out to me and I was like, oh yes, isn't that amazing? We're one of the most beautiful grandbabies. (laughs) Like literally that's as as far as that thought process went. But I realized just recently that I think I was unconsciously colorblind 
when mm. my daughter-in-law posted something in reaction to the murders in Atlanta, you know, she's half Filipino and she has throughout her life felt racism for mm. being um, Asian. And I felt bad because I think I let my colorblindness keep mm. me from reaching out to her in that mm. moment that she mm -hmm. needed support yeah. and strength and she needed someone to listen. And I was just oblivious, right? obliviously colorblind, but I really love your your description of that and why we need to be better and and see the beauty and the differences all around us mm -hmm. and talk exactly. to our kids about it. It's normal for a child who is just waking up to the world to be like, oh, that's a brown boy and that's a black girl. Right, and right. I remember when my kids were little having those same like, oh, wait, we don't, don't say yeah. that because <laughs> don't that, that. <laughs> I, I don't know why that was my instinct, but I'm right. so grateful that all these conversations have been happening and we are raising a generation of kids who are learning to love and embrace all of the diversity in the world. Right. And I just think that's and not amazing. just race, you know, I mean, like yeah. I've had the same thing happen with wheelchairs or someone using a cane or, yes. you know, just different circumstances where it's great to have these conversations and books are one of my favorite avenues for that because it just yes. allows us to open the door to conversation. I was, I want to ask you about this because we have on our mom force Facebook group where we've just got like thousands of women asking so, oh, so many yay. great questions. This question was posted recently and it says, does anyone have any suggestions for books about diversity and inclusivity? They would be for my four-year-old. So I'm wondering what kinds of books or toys or entertainment or anything mm -hmm. would you recommend? I feel like I'm always buying new books and I have like so many lists on my blog. A book that I just bought recently, so it's at the top of my mind, is called Eyes That Kiss in the Corners. Oh yes, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, it's beautifully illustrated and sweet story. So that's, I just try to, I'm always looking, I have another book, I'm trying to remember but it's called The Darkest Blue or something like that. And it's about a little girl who is starting to wear the hijab to school and, or her sister is, yeah. So that's a beautiful story that, you know, if you see someone wearing this, you know, what this means and, oh, we can think back to the story and let's go back and get our book again. Sulway is another favorite of mine about a little girl who has darker skin than the rest of her family. And she kind of gets picked on at school, but then uh, like a star comes and tells her a story about like day and night and these like goddesses, one has really light skin and one has dark skin and they're sisters and like a beautiful story and how they need each other. And that's one that I really love that essentially it's talking about colorism basically. And then The Colors of Us is another one I really like. I mean, I there's so many. Yeah. Okay. We're going to link your blog post in our show notes. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. There's so, those are the ones on the top of my head, good. but there's so many. And I mean, just like I said, the one that I just bought last week, I'm just, I'm always looking for new ones and it's, it's not something where I'm like, check, I'm done. Right. I've, I've got right. all the diverse books. Like it's, you know, my library is always changing and growing. That's good because for anyone who's living in an area where there isn't a lot of diversity in our right. communities, this is the way you can bring that oh, in and expose yeah, your sure. kids to it. I saw something else on your blog that I thought was really interesting. The movie Dumbo, mm, you know, there are mm -hmm. some parts in that movie that people have canceled and yeah. you wrote a review about it from your point of mm -hmm. view. For anyone who hasn't seen the original Dumbo, there are some characters, some crow characters, mm -hmm. and there's yeah. a scene where they're setting up the circus tent. And like Dumbo is one of the movies that I remember watching as a child. I showed to my son and I, mm -hmm. I did not consciously 
make any conclusions about that. It was just like part of the cinematic experience. But you posted in your blog conversations that you had with your family and why you decided not to cancel it. Because there are lessons that we can learn. It's about history. It's about Mm -hmm. progression, right? Exactly. Like that movie was from the 30s. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I think 30s or 40s, 30s. yeah. Anyway, that is an amazing post, and I'm going to link that too because I think that just shows us that we, you know what, people aren't perfect, and we've made mistakes in our history. I've made mistakes in my life, but we can learn more, do better, be better, and I love that you use that as an example to, to teach your children. Yeah, I think that's, at least for us, movies, especially movies that I haven't screened or like an experience that we enjoy together and we're learning and discussing together. It's not like, you know, I turn on Dumbo and and run away. Like we are going to have conversations and they can open the door to conversations. And I think there's a lot of media out there like that. I I did a list for Black History Month on movies by age and somebody had reshared it. And then there was some criticism in the comments like, oh, the help is kind of like white saviorism and it shouldn't, you know, maybe be on the list. And I was like, you know, like I can see that, but it has a majority black cast and it also is a great opportunity to talk about the times. I'm not saying turn this on and like, this is the history lesson for the day, like you're done, but the conversations around that. And if you want to have a conversation about white saviorism too, you can do that. You know, there's an opportunity there. I saw Emmanuel Acho had a great quote. (laughs) He said, history is good to be remembered, but not always to be celebrated. So, you know, it's, it's not like you need to celebrate everything that happened in history, but It is important to remember what happened so that we don't repeat it. Yeah. And I think you brought up a good point. It's the conversations we're having with our kids around the books they're reading, the media they're watching, the things we see on the news. We can teach them through those conversations. We got to be having those conversations. All right. One last thing before we move on. On your blog, you talk about your hair journey and how you are Mm. embracing your naturally beautifully (laughs) curly hair and how it has a lot to do with your daughter's. Now, can you, can you explain that to me? Yeah. So, I mean, if you go like way back on my blog in the beginning, all my pictures, my hair is straight, like six straight. And it was like that pretty much my whole life. Cause I always went and got my hair straight and just growing up. That's what my mom went and did. Like she took me and my sisters every two weeks to the salon and we got it flat ironed and it was like torture, but we loved how silky smooth it was after. I think a lot of that's cause we looked like our friends. We didn't look super different and that was fun for us, but as I got older, it was kind of like with work, you know, being on TV and okay, well, no one's wearing their hair natural and curly. Like I need to keep my hair straight for that. And then when I had my daughter and she had this, you know, head full of curly hair, it's when I realized like, I maybe shouldn't keep doing this. I don't want her to look at me and think that that's how her hair needs to look. And I want her to love herself and her hair the way it is. And if she wants to change it up every now and then, that's great too. Like it's your prerogative, it's your hair and our hair can do amazing, different, wild and fun things. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to just stay one way, but I didn't want to keep mine permanently straight anymore. So yes, my daughter, my oldest was a big inspiration in me going natural, which didn't take too much because I never had a chemical straightener. So it was just like getting it wet, (laughs) stop straightening it. (laughs) But then like learning how to manage it because it's, it's a lot more work, you know, than just like sitting under the salon every couple of weeks and then don't get it wet in between. (laughs) Now it's a little more work from the day to day, depending on how cute I want it to look. But yeah. I <laughs> thankfully, love, I feel like my buns are pretty cute. Your even. hair is adorable. You always look amazing. <laughs> I love that you're teaching your children how to embrace 
what's unique about them? What's them, right? Mm -hmm. And I, as you were saying that, I had to think that, I thought to myself that I kind of have the same theory against getting a boob job, okay? Because I know, like, (laughs) my girls do not, they did not, we don't have big boobs, okay? And anytime that thought crosses my mind, I'm like, no, because I would never want them to think that they need to do that, right? Like, this is who we are. Mm-hmm. All right. Proud, proud about it too. Okay. <laughs> have this to our bodies. Yes. It's just the way we are. I love that you're modeling that for your, for your girls. And that's so thoughtful. You're such a deliberate mother. This is what comes out so clearly in your blog and in your Instagram. Aww. There is a video that I, I saw it so many times when I was on your blog of your oh. daughter <laughs> waiting for the bus and oh, yes. running to the bus and meeting the kids. And that joy and zest for life is just like literally could bring tears to my eyes because that is what we want for our families. Right. We want to have that like enduring joy. And so I want to know what are things that you do in your family deliberately to help keep that joyful spark alive, especially in this last year that's been so hard for so many different reasons. But like, what do you do? What's your secret? You know, I think a lot of it is trying to figure out who they are and not figure it out so much. I think I used to see it as like, let's figure, I'm going to dive in and figure this out. But just sitting back and kind of witnessing the people that they're becoming on their own. And I know when I first had my oldest, I thought, you know, this is my child and I'm going to teach her all the things and she's going to be just like me because, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a girl (laughs) and I wanted to do this and she's going to love this and this and this. And our personalities actually are very similar in a lot of ways. So I think I just had this thought of like, yes, well, she's like this because she's my child. Like, that's why. And then I had my son and he is so different than me, like so different. And I'm like, looking at my husband, like, does he get this from you? Like, where is this <laughs> he must, coming this from? Like, <laughs> get it. It's not me. So it must be you. And like, we're like trying to figure out where in the family he's getting these like genes to where he's interested in like animals or trains or these different things. But I just realized that it, it has nothing to do with me or my husband. It just has to do with who they are and what they're interested in. They are their own people. Like they aren't like just spawn of me that are now growing as like this clone. They are themselves. They are their own individual person. And I just am their parent that is helping to raise them to adulthood and facilitate and give them what they need and, and nurture who they are, but not mm-hmm make them who they are. So I think that has really helped a lot because I've stopped trying to steer them so much, but let them kind of take the reins and then listen and, and lean into that. And I've just seen them each light up more as I do that and just embrace their different, because all three of them are completely different, like so different. And, and Jada still is the most similar to me, but still very different than me. I think that's really helps them. Yeah a lot to have that zest because they just know that they're safe around us and free um, to explore their interests and their, yeah. 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 And then we just have fun too. We try to just Yeah, you do. You do a lot of fun things. (laughs) The most frustrated I've been as a mother is when I try to cram my kids into this box of what I think they should be or how they should behave or what they should like, what they should be interested in. I mean, I did that for years and it's just like, you're never going to win that game. (laughs) It's like, that's just... No, just like let all of your expectations go, like set yes. house rules, you know, right, and right, e- expectations right. about like, this yes. is what kind of character we have, we want right, in our family. Exactly. Like but, try, try to stick yeah. within this like realm. <laughs> these little yeah. guardrails, but yeah, <laughs> but then good luck. You figure yourself yes. out. You are also a gifted photographer and this shines on your blog and on your Instagram. 
Can you give us some of your tips for embracing the everyday? I've seen that quote there. How do you do that through your photography? You know, I think I try to do that just by, well, the main thing is trying not to to refuse the urge to ask them to pose or smile or say cheese or whatever and just like capture them doing whatever they're doing. And if they're doing something that they love even better, because then they're probably already smiling and, or if they're really focused at something, capturing that, I mean, we don't want to look back and see every single picture is like cheese, 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 you know, around these different things. We want to remember, capture as much as we can of the uniqueness of that particular instance. So I think just being aware of those opportunities and then looking for good lighting (laughs) and then you're good. You know, hopefully it's happening near a window. (laughs) Okay. Well, that leads to my next question because so many of us are capturing these moments on our phones. Thank Mm -hmm. goodness our phones cameras have become like so good. Okay. (laughs) So you mentioned looking for the good light. Is there another like iPhone, you know, tip photography tip that you have for us? I, I like to play with the different lenses. So I know like this is just a really simple tip, but something that I know not everyone knows, like if your camera has different lenses on it, like a 1X or a 2X or a 0.5 or whatever, try not to zoom like with your fingers and getting that in between the two lenses kind of zoom. If you just pick one of those options, you'll usually get a sharper image. Oh, so okay. if you have to move a little bit closer or a little bit further back, that's good. But try to pick one of those as often as you can before you move to zooming because then you'll get like some, you know, it's not going to be as sharp and crisp and stuff yeah. like that. And then it's harder to edit later. All right. That's a good tip. And I imagine you take a lot of photos. You must have some type of camera roll cleanup habit or curation. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I try to. So I have a couple like on my camera, on my computer, I still use my big camera and take a lot of pictures and upload them to my computer. And try like the goal is once a month to go through and delete all of the extra that I don't want anymore, but sometimes it doesn't happen until the end of the year. But then it's like, okay, I have them all organized 2020 month by month. And then within the month, there's each event. And then I just go through and clean it out and delete the things that I don't need to free up some space on my computer. And I try to do the same thing on my phone, but it happens far less often. So what I usually do is I try to like just heart my favorite pictures as I go. So then I know when I do get the time to sit down and massively delete a bunch of stuff on my camera roll, as long as I don't delete any of the hearts, then I'm not deleting anything too important. Okay. I like that. Where do you back up your photos? What's your backup strategy? So I use Time Machine for my computer, like just backing up my entire computer and my photo library. I use uh, Prime Photo on my phone to just back up everything. Google Photo automatically back. Like I have a few different, like, yeah. but they're all, you know, free. iCloud, you have to pay a few dollars for, but I don't even, actually, I don't back up my photos on iCloud because... I have too many photos. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I usually do Amazon and Google photo because I have a higher limit yeah, yeah. there. <laughs> okay. I like it. I think these are questions I want to ask every guest because photo organization and curation and, you know, all of that, we are all just trying to figure out. And yes. I love that. Okay. So I do this thing called Sunday Select. Every Sunday okay. I go through my phone and I get rid of the stuff on my phone. It's like as I'm laying oh, in bed right before I, I set my that. alarm. It's a fun way to kind of look back on the week. And then I start oh. off the week feeling fresh and lighter. Yes. Okay. So try my Sunday Select on your phone. That'll help you get it, get things wrangled up in there. But I love your heart, your favoriting idea. 
That's yeah, awesome. but that I love that idea that mm-hmm. you just go back through the last week. Mm-hmm. I can even do I listen to an audiobook because I'm it's hard to find things you can do while you listen to right. a book. Right. And if I'm like, I don't want to clean my house and but I feel bad just laying there. So I'll like play a game, but I could totally go through my phone. Yeah, go through your purpose. phone. Yes. Okay. Win win. All right. <laughs> last but not least, you are the queen of DIY. I, I've seen lots of oh, projects gosh, happening over that. at your house. You're working on <laughs> bedrooms for your girls. Uh-huh. What is the latest? What and greatest like what can we be looking for okay so yeah if you've missed ty's room makeover and we talked about you know my kids personality and embracing their individuality so ty is just so into animals and his room we finished and it's it's like a jungle themed room it's really fun he's got a vine wall and green walls and a pet snake and all sorts of stuff in there and jada is really into greek mythology and percy jackson is a series she loves and has read time and time again. So we are doing her room in a like Greco-Roman theme. So we're currently trying to take down wallpaper that didn't work out and paint the room in like a marble type theme. And so we'll be finishing that up hopefully soon. And then we'll be on to like getting new floors. I need to do my office and get like something in this background that's nicer, like an accent (laughs) wall or something. And yeah, those are my next couple of projects. I think I mean, I'm a very slow DIYer. Like I am not. Hey, that's real life. That's what it really looks like. Not any of these TV shows. Like I am really impressed by people who can just knock it out. I'm like, you know, we're just like, kind of taking this as we <laughs> as yeah. we go it's kind of a snail's pace but I'll do a big reveal once everything is done and then I always share you know the process but the process just is like one thing at a time <laughs> yeah it takes a while I like that oh Jennifer you are a delight a woman of many talents thank you so much for being with us and thank you for sharing your personal experiences around race and diversity and some of the hard things that we all kind of lived through this last year but I know that for many it's been a lifelong struggle and I I'm grateful for you sharing your experience and to have an opportunity to learn from you and hope that we all can do better. And this rising generation is going to be stronger and full of more love and more willing to listen Mm -hmm. and embrace all of the good that is in our world. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for joining the Mom Force. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review and come join the conversation over on our Mom Force Facebook group. And check out the show notes for a special chapbooks discount code. Until next time.